of the Priest and Ray community from Memphis in Tennessee. And uh, back before he became a priest, he would have prided himself really on being what they would call a redneck, what we would call a kind of a culture, I guess. They're the kind of guys who they, they love driving through swamps and getting in their jeeps and making their jeeps a bit higher and driving through mud and drinking beer and shooting stuff and generally making stuff explode. Normally all those things occurred in the same evening with beer, shooting and driving through mud. Uh, so he had, he just had some fairly wild stories of his past. But one particular friend of his, uh, his name was his name was Vidge. We won't go into where that name came from. Vidge, anyway, Vidge was his name. And uh, so uh, Vidge was driving one of these trucks on the road, having driven through mud beforehand. And he looks behind and woo, blue lights. So he goes. Uh, so he pulls over. And uh, the guy comes over and says, uh, sir, license and registration. He says, you know why I'm pulling you over? He said, yep, I'm drunk. And he said, no, sir, you've got a, you've got a tail light out. Oh, that too? <laughs> so, and on another occasion, he got pulled over, blue lights again, gets pulled over by the cops. The cop comes over and says, license and registration, sir. And he says, um, gives him the license and registration. And then he just kind of sits there holding the steering wheel. And just starts crying, right? And the cop looks in and says, sir, uh, sir, are you, sir, are you okay? And he said, <laughs> it worked for my sister last week. <laughs> <laughs> and it made the cop laugh, and so he got off. <laughs> but um, it does, it does, I, just, I thought of that story this morning. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's a bit profane, but I, I thought of that story this morning. Thinking of St. Monica, the power of her mother's tears. The power of a mother's tears. Uh, power maybe of a woman's tears in general. I mean, maybe it's, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm a man, maybe it's because I'm a priest, I don't know. But um, when women cry, it melts me. I'm just, I'm inconsolable. Like, I'm just so, I'm just, I just so stop. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> it's just, and especially, I suppose, people we care about or people in our families or, you know, our own mothers. I think they have a particular place uh, in our hearts when it comes to that kind of thing. Seeing our own mothers cry, there's something just deeply sad about that, something deeply, uh, you don't want your mom to be sad. I think that's, that's, that's generally the case for most of us. We don't want to see our moms in, in that kind of a state. And uh, St. Monica, born in 333, so like this is before the time of St. Patrick, an awful long time ago, uh, a woman of great faith, a woman of amazing faith, and a woman of, of, of long suffering also in her marriage, her, her husband, um, who was Patricius, so I suppose Patrick in English, or in modern-day English, uh, had a, uh, her husband had a hot temper, so she had, a lot, she had to bear a lot because of him. So uh, he was, they were born, well, they lived in North Africa, uh, modern-day Algeria, and yes, as I say, she was a Christian. Her husband wasn't converted in the end. And then her son who she could see was you know, very smart, very, very capable, uh, and was searching for something, searching for joy, searching for love, searching for answers, actually, searching for fulfillment, searching for meaning, just like us today. It's amazing. This is 17 centuries ago, but nothing has changed. So he found this you know, religion which seemed to, be, seemed to answer some of his questions, uh, an interesting kind of an idea where um, everything was originally light and then the world that we live in now, we're stuck in, in the material world, 
and what we have to try and do is free ourselves from the material world and become light and return to the light that we came from. Um, it's not what we believe, it's the Manichaean idea or philosophy. So St. Augustine, or Augustine um, becomes an, an, an adherent of this, uh, a member of that, of that religion, and still though wasn't entirely, wasn't entirely happy with it, he was still searching. Now, by all accounts, it seems that he was quite a handsome chap, so he also had different relationships and uh, had no trouble um, finding pleasure in the world, but again, there was still something missing. So he went off to Italy. Italy at the time, uh, I mean, it wasn't long after Christianity had become the official uh, religion of, of the Roman Empire. Uh, Rome, was, Rome would collapse later, but he was in Italy, this, which was still, I suppose, to, to a, a large extent, a, a cultural uh, superpower in the world. So he travelled around Italy and uh, also went to Milan. And up in Milan, he heard St. Ambrose preach. And St. Ambrose preached about this Jesus, this Saviour. Now, he, he had heard St. Ambrose, he, sorry, he'd heard his mother speak about Jesus. Obviously, she was Christian. So, so he wasn't a stranger to these ideas. But just the way St. Ambrose preached and spoke, maybe it was more on the kind of terms that St. Augustine could, could, could grapple with. He could see there was something meaty in this. There was something, there was something important. There was something momentous. There was, there was, there was a content to this. And so he listened to his homilies and he eventually, rather quickly, converted and saw this as the answer to, uh, to his search. And what's so human about him is St. Augustine discovered, as I said, he's a saint. He discovered this, this, this newfound love for Christ. And yet the lures of the world still weren't very far from his heart. And so he made this very famous prayer. It's a, it's a prayer which is kind of often said in jest uh, these days, but it was like, Lord, make me pure, but not yet. You know, because this, this idea that, you know, we know what we, we know we have to, we should be renouncing these things, we should be living this kind of certain life, but I really like living my life. <laughs> so, you know, make me holy, but just a little later. If I could just live my life now and I'll be holy later, that'd be great. So, yeah, so he... He's, yeah, he struggled with this, but, as, but like, the fact that you struggle doesn't mean you're less, than a, less of a saint. The, the struggle is what's, sorry, surviving the struggle, winning in the struggle is what makes you a saint, not having no struggles. So, I mean, he pushed on through and became, as I say, not just a saint, but a bishop, uh, a saint and, uh, and a doctor of the church. St. Monica's tears, St. Monica's prayers, the constant prayer for her son. The constant, maybe not worry, but I mean, huge concern. The, the constant raising him up to the Lord. The, the, the constant desire that he would become Christian. Not just to kind of increase our numbers as if we're some sort of a club, but that he would know the truth. That he would know Jesus. And that ultimately he would get to heaven. This is like the, just the deepest desires of her heart. And so for years and years and years, she tirelessly, ceaselessly, prayed and persevered. There's something, I don't know, that's, like I say, even 17, year, 17 centuries later, there's still something so powerful about, about that example because it's something in, in our day here in Ireland that a lot of parents are concerned about. Their, their children aren't practising. 
So I mean, it's, uh, whenever I go to a, a prayer meeting or a pilgrimage and I meet people of my, my parents' generation, uh, down to maybe people of, in their maybe kind of 50s sort of thing, a lot of their children aren't practicing. And it's, it's a concern, absolutely. It's a, it's, it, it's a great worry. So that's why St. Monica's example is so powerful. We can't live... Well, maybe it's better, in this case, it's better I say you. You can't live your children's lives. You can't make your children's decisions for them. You shouldn't, or they'll rebel. They must be free, and they must make their own decisions. You have to let them free. God does. God lets us free. But that doesn't mean that we're helpless or can do nothing if the children aren't practicing. We can absolutely pray and offer up those silent tears uh, and the, 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 that desire of our hearts, not just that they would, as I say, be part of this club, because it's not a club. It's part of a body. It's part of a family. It's part of this, this great ship of the church, which if we're doing our job right, is heaven-bound, heading, heading towards heaven. One quick word, if I may, on, on our gospel, because this is, this is a, a profound gospel which I think can often be misunderstood. So a man, is on a, way, a man is on his way abroad, and he summons his servants and he trusts his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. Just so we understand. Uh, it's translated talents, and often, especially in primary schools, that's understood as talents. You know, I can jump up and down, I can hold my breath for two minutes, I can play violin, I can... That's not what he's talking about. Jesus couldn't care less if we can jump up and down on one foot for 20 minutes. He doesn't care. He doesn't care how many hula hoops you can do. It doesn't matter. Or how many keepy-uppies, okay? These aren't the talents he's talking about. A talent was a quantity of weight. It was 33 kilos of silver. So to the first man, he entrusts... What's that? 165 kilos of silver right so it's a quantity it's it's something it's 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 a wealth it's not an it's not a an intellectual gift or something right uh, some sort of a talent that way he entrusts them with with a kind of a money basically and what i find interesting is the first guy gets five talents so 165 kilos um the next guy gets two not four not three two it's quite a jump and the last guy gets one and Scripture tells us each in proportion to his ability. Okay, so if we, I think we, these things should always be applied to us. We shouldn't just read them as you know applicable to the, the, the men and women of Jesus' time. What we are given, we're supposed to do something with. The abilities that we have, the resources that we have, the money that we have, the if we are talking about talents, the, the talents that we have, anything that God has given us is to be used for the building up of his kingdom. And we, we, were, we have that responsibility to do something with what we have been given. So, again, I mean, we've told this, we've said this kind of thing before, but if I can sing, my singing ability isn't for me, it's for those who listen. If I can organize, it's not just that I become rich, it's hopefully that I, that I can form a, a good company that gives employment to a lot of people and a bit of security to, to their families. If, I'm, uh, if I have the gift of good looks, again, that might make my message a little more credible, well, then use that for the Lord. You know, use, that to, to use that for the good, not to just seduce people, but to draw people to good things. You know, if I have the gift of wealth, if I've inherited an awful lot of money, okay, that's again not just for me to have multiple pools and multiple houses throughout the world, but do something good with it. 
as you know, so many people, so many people, even you know, in our in our country here in Ireland, so many Protestants helped Catholics build churches. It's quite incredible. There are a lot, of, a lot of those kind of hidden stories where there were landlords who built churches on their lands for the Catholics. Do you know, so they, they were men of great wealth who saw that you know, these Catholics, they're, they're working hard, they just want a church, what's the big deal? And uh, partly funded or, or funded a church for them. Anyway, point being, our resources aren't for us, they're for everybody else. And the reason that's the case is if God can trust us with stupid little things like money, if he can entrust us with stupid things like, like a big house or like little, little gifts that maybe, you know, as I say, someone might be attractive or good at sports, that should, all those kind of things pass anyway. So they're, they're not like game-changing gifts. But if he can trust us with those small things, then he can trust us to share his divine nature in heaven, which is so much more. If he can trust us with five little talents, then he can trust us to be like him in heaven. If he can't trust us with a few little gifts and talents and uh, resources and abilities here, if he can't trust us with those, are we ready to share his divine nature in heaven? Maybe not. Like if you had more power than you have, if you have a, a certain amount of power and you use that to kind of bully people and make yourself feel, feel big, are you ready to be like God and share his nature in heaven? You are not. You are not. If you're, ready, if you're able to lead people, loving them, elevating them, affirming them, well, then, yeah, you can, be, you can be trusted with more. But if, if we can't be trusted with the, with the simple things that we have now, then we're not ready. We're not ready to be like God, to share in his divine nature. So that's why St. Monica saw that she, she wasn't a woman of any great influence, wasn't from nobility. What could she do? She had a great heart. And a great ability to, ability to prayer. Good, use that. So she used that, that, that gift of faith that she had. And from that gift, that one talent, that those two, ta- well, two talents, uh, she gets not only two more, but as we said, a conversion, bishop, saint, doctor of the church, heaven for herself, heaven for him. She used her abilities. They're not infinite, they were limited. She used them for the building up of God's kingdom. And so you and I today, what do we have? Because God has given us enough abilities, enough resources in proportion to our ability. He won't give us too much because it would make us arrogant. He won't give us too little or we'll starve. He gives us in proportion to our ability. Why? So that we can build up his kingdom. So we ask the Lord today, that we might never miss an opportunity to use what God has given us for the consolation of his people, for the building up of his kingdom, that we, like St. Monica, might persevere in prayer for our own conversion and the conversion of those we love. Amen.